You know, it's funny. I was walking in the neighborhood today getting my vitamin D while staying six feet away minimum from everyone, obviously. And uh, I passed by these two uh, teenage boys and they were like, or one of them was saying, man, you know, I, I, I started to actually like someone. And then what do you know? Coronavirus. <laughs> and I was like, that ain't, ain't that the ain't that the freaking human condition, man. You that hate is, to uh, see it, man. You hate to see it. Hello, and welcome to the Interstate Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, a.k.a. K-Slux. My name is Peter, a.k.a. Deal For Real, and I'm also your host. Welcome, everyone, to the 43rd episode of the Interstate Gamers Podcast and the 36th game review. We've got a good one in store for you guys today. Um, once again, crazy stuff going on in the world. We wish you the best of luck in fighting the coronavirus and preventing the spread. What is it? Stop the spread, I think. Flatten the curve is another one. Flatten the curve. Yeah, that's what it is. And we hope that you're enjoying our podcast while you're sitting indoors, uh, whether it be working or not working. Um, maybe we can be some sort of relief for you guys. Without any further ado, Peter, why don't you tell everyone what this, what the game of the week is? the game of the episode i don't know what to call it (laughs) the game of this period of time kevin is none other than the super nintendo entertainment system classic super metroid hell yeah such a classic um, I remember I didn't play this game until about a couple of years ago um, when Chris and I, our boy Z-Link, well, we were streaming it when I first got my uh, SNES Mini. Um, I think we did Donkey Kong Country as well, but uh, it was a good time. We we kind of traded off on bosses. Like I would beat this one boss, I'd be good at it, and he'd be good at another one. So it kind of worked out. It was a fun time like streaming it with someone else. Yeah, I I loved that playthrough that you guys did because uh, on the other hand, I this is a game from my childhood. I definitely grew up with it. Um, unfortunately, my mom did discard our SNES at some point after we had gotten the N64 because she said, you guys don't play it anymore, which may have been true, but I still wanted it. <laughs> uh, so when, when I finally learned through my older brother's uh, infinite wisdom about emulators, I was like, holy moly, I have to go play Super Metroid again. And <laughs> so ever since maybe like, Shoot, I'm, I was been like 11 or 12 when I got that emulator. So since then, I've been like, if not playing the game constantly, it's kind of on my mind a lot. Like it's it's a game that I'm very familiar with, and I like watching people play it. Uh, I used to watch speedruns of it back in the day. Yeah, and uh, it's it's got quite the legacy. It's a very famous game, and for good reason. Yeah. So this game came out in 1994. It is the third Metroid game. It preceded, or sorry, it succeeded Metroid 2: Return of Samus for the Game Boy. Uh, which in turn came after the original Metroid, which, of course, was for the NES. By this point, the Metroid series had kind of gotten its footing, but I would say that this game definitely set the stage for what it would become in the future. And for that reason, it's, like, I would say the most iconic game in the series. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's very akin to uh, how Link to the Past kind of set up how Zelda would be. Um, It's very much like that. It's funny how the... uh, the Super Nintendo kind of 
kickstarted a lot of these famous series that we know today. Um, and I think this game is no exception to, to that rule of like, this is what the games will become. It's kind of cool. What I find interesting is that this game hasn't yet been remastered or anything like that. Metroid 1 was given the Metroid Zero Mission treatment, uh, another game that we reviewed on the podcast in Season 1 way back in the day with our boy Ryred. Um, and then Metroid 2 recently got remade as Return of Samus for the 3DS. But yeah, Super Metroid is hopefully the next one in line to get uh, what I hope would be a very good uh, remaster treatment, maybe on the Switch. So uh, I'm hopefully looking forward to that. Uh, also, Metroid Prime 4 is on the way. Uh, shout out to Sir Boy Rybread, who is a huge Metroid Prime fan. You can listen to that episode as well. Uh, lots of self-promotion going, going on this evening. <laughs> I think that's enough of the cone text. Are you ready to get into the gameplay, my dude? Let's do it. Uh, I'll get us started off. So I will say, starting out with a little bit of criticism, I will say that the mechanics weren't always super smooth. Uh, it was almost like they were like too precise. Uh, for instance, like wall jumping uh, in this game was much harder than previous ones. It just seems like a lot of things that were like uh, frame perfect. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just had a lot of trouble in this game moving around and getting used to the controls more than I have in previous Metroid games, such as Metroid Fusion or Metroid Zero Mission. Those were much easier to get into, whereas this one, it was it took a it took a little bit of time. But uh, needless to say. This game is still amazing in terms of gameplay. Uh, I, I, I liked the whole Metroid style of things, really. I mean, you all know it, the Metroidvania style, the 2D platformer, but like you can, it's like an adventure game where you can go to different places and you kind of have to like figure out where you're supposed to go. There's a lot of puzzles. Yeah. There's a lot of action, a lot of different monsters. You have to defeat them in different ways, figure out how to defeat your enemies. Um, all of that is amazing and a part of why I love this style of gameplay. Absolutely love it. I really agree with you on the uh, your impression of the controls being finicky or you know requiring too much perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely the, the wall jumping in particular. I think is the worst defender of this. Um, in its defense, wall jumping is optional. I don't think you ever need it to beat the game, mm-hmm. um, but it, it is very tricky to do, and it's kind of something you want to do as a player, like because. Well, if you're a player like us who's more familiar with games that include mechanics like wall jumping, you're probably like, oh, I want to wall jump. Right. And going back to this game, it's, it's hard to do that. And also there, there's kind of a floatiness and a slipperiness to the game. Like you kind of have, you kind of keep momentum whenever you stop running, uh, which, you know, is realistic in a way. Um, but it can result in the game feeling a little less responsive if you're not 100% used to it. So w- when you say that you had an easier time playing games like Metroid Fusion or Metroid Zero Mission, I I feel the same way, and I feel like those games really refined the the feeling of controlling Samus. Right. Part of why I feel that way is because I prefer the the higher gravity sort of feeling of those games, where you you fall quickly um, mm-hmm. compared to this game that's very floaty. I do acknowledge that is that's pretty much personal preference, but I do think that some of the details of how the game controls can make it a little difficult for beginners. But to speak to the other thing that you kind of transitioned into, the, the Metroidvania aspect of it, I would say that like the focus of the gameplay is on the exploration, and it's not so much on the combat, except, of course, when you're fighting bosses. You know, that's all about combat. Um, but it, it's really a game where the journey is more important than the destination. Like having to figure out where you're going, 
uh, you know, look for holes in the wall and things you can blow up with your bombs and little passages you can use the morph ball to get into. Like that, I think, is really what makes a Metroid game as far as gameplay goes. And this game is like the the prime example of that. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. Uh, the exploration is kind of what intrigues me most about the game and the gameplay. Um, I found, I found myself just, you know, there were times where I got stuck and I really didn't know where to go, but unlike a lot of games, it wasn't necessarily boring to be stuck, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, it, it might be after a while where I was like, okay, like, I don't know where to go and I've been going around the same areas over and over again. But, um, for the most part, it was really fun to figure out where to go and like shoot everything along the walls, like you said. <laughs> uh, you're just yeah. like, okay, there's got to be a crack in here somewhere. Shout outs to that one part where you have to like break the glass. Oh, yeah. That, our first playthrough that got me stuck for a long time because that's not super obvious. So, um, I, I was glad I remembered it this time coming around, but, um, yeah, I, I think we're on this, the same page here. Yeah, I, I do think some things can be hidden a little too well, um, but it's not like every single room you enter, you're like, shit, I don't know what to do. Yeah. It's it's, pre- it's pretty balanced, and they use that technique well, I think. Yeah. So if you're used to games holding your hand, uh, you may have a bad time, but if you are of a, a more inquisitive nature and you like finding things on your own, then I think this is a game for you. I didn't necessarily like the select button switching between the missiles kind of thing. Um, that I found to be very convenient, at least playing on... Well, I remember not liking that when I was playing it on a Super Nintendo controller, but I was playing on the Switch my second playthrough. It was really hard to just like remember to go over and move my thumb over and press the select button, and it made it really inconvenient when fighting bosses. Yeah. Cause I got really stressed out, like trying to like, where's the select button? I need to switch. <laughs> and then switching back is also something I had have to remember to do. Whereas like, I think fusion, you just press one of the trigger buttons and press the normal firing button and then boom, you're ready to go. Yeah. No joke. I think that was one of the best improvements that uh, zero mission and fusion made to the series was just having that little, like hold the trigger. Um, Cause that is really annoying. Yeah. You had another gameplay point that I agree with you on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that aside, I think this game and those games are very similar, and uh, it's interesting. This game made me think that the Game Boy Advance, you know, many years later, was just a portable Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> it just it really feels like it. Yeah. What did you think of uh, aside from the occasional difficulty of figuring out where to go next? What did you think of? the difficulty of like the bosses and just the game in general. The bosses are really cool. And I think I got to stop saying dark souls. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a while. I know. I I know the meme is I compare everything to dark souls, but it has that aspect of like, okay, you die a lot to figure out how to beat the enemies, at least your first playthrough. Cause each enemy is a little bit different. And I kind of like that. Um, It can be frustrating at times. Some of the bosses are frustrating, but I liked how there's a different strategy to beating each of them. It's very good for this era of gaming because not a lot of games had creativity like that. And a lot of you've heard the rule of three and things like that. I would say there's yeah. more creativity to these bosses than, you know, Link to the Past um, or anything like that. It, it just felt like you really got to use your whole tool set 
and you had to utilize all the new uh, mechanics and moves that you were learning um, to beat these bosses. And I think that's a it does an excellent job of utilizing those skills that you learn. What I liked too is that the game is good about providing you save points uh, throughout yeah. the game, but especially uh, pretty soon before bosses, if not necessarily right next door to them. Right, uh, which makes it easy for you to, to to enjoy the process of figuring out the bosses more because you're not usually you're not having to you know go through one third of the world map to get back to that boss you just died to. Right. Um, so I, I really enjoy how they did that because there there's a lot of older games from around this time that really punish you for losing. Right. And this game it doesn't seem to punish you as so much as long as you're diligent about saving. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, you're right. I would have had a completely different opinion if I had to trek the entire area over again just to get to the boss. I probably would have hated it. Yeah. Like, just don't waste my time. Speaking of trekking across areas, one thing that us uh, us modern epic gamers may be used to that this game doesn't have is any sort of fast travel. So if you decide like you want to go back and get an item that's in some other part of the world, you're going to have to go all the way back. Um, and, you know, there's elevators that take you, like, from one section of Planet Zebes to the other section. Those are just, like, the standard routes. They're not actually, like, shortcuts or anything like that, which does make it feel more like the situation you're actually in, where you're, like, trapped underneath this planet. You know, you're not, you know, teleporting somewhere. Right, yeah. I think that adds to the story more. Yeah, like, like kind of like what you're saying. It's like, um, there, there's some parts of the game where you can't go back the way that you came until you go and get that power that you need or that skill that you need to learn. Yeah. Then you can come back, like high jumping and things like that. So I kind of think that adds to the game more than it hinders it. Oh yeah, absolutely. It really works for this game. What I do like is also the ability that you can toggle your upgrades on and off after you get them. Yeah. So if for some reason you want to like handicap yourself or anything like that, you can definitely do that. And that was one thing that I was frustrated that Metroid Zero Mission did not have. Uh, I was playing it on my Game Boy Advance back in the day, and I thought for sure I could, like... I was trying to figure out what button to press to toggle the the power-ups on and off, and then I realized you couldn't do that. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah. So I... It, it's, it's a little thing, but it's it's a little thing that I think helps the player customize the way that they're playing, which is really helpful if you're coming back to this game. Yeah, I didn't know you could do that. I remember you um, telling me on my our first playthrough that you could change your abilities back to what it was. I was like, oh, wow, that's an interesting thing because I my very first Metroid game was Metroid Fusion. So that's my perspective on, on Metroid. And I started with that and coming back to Super Metroid, seeing some of those mechanics like that, I'm like, hmm, I don't know how, I, I don't exactly know how I feel about it. Because on one hand, it's like I like to have everything in front of me and like not have to switch between uh, skills or controls too often in a menu. I like to just be able to switch it on and off there. But at the same time, it is a cool thing to be able to do. Yeah. Well, in this game, I don't I don't think you ever have to disable abilities once you get them. It's just something you can do. Yeah. It's not like Ocarina of Time where you're in the water temple and you're going through the motions to put on the iron boots every 20 seconds. So it's, right. it's not anything that interrupts the gameplay. It's more like a bonus feature. Right. And, and that's what I was going to say is whereas like fusion and uh, zero mission there, I think I feel like the developer's perspective was, Hey, why do we need to have them switch back if it doesn't matter? Because like 
the charge beam can do everything that you want it to do. Like it, it has all of the abilities that the previous beams had and more. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, they're kind of like, ah, there's no reason to. Yeah. The last note that I have on gameplay, and this is something I didn't really realize until um, just like an hour or so before we started recording is I really love how this game like never interrupts you. You're never in the middle of something and then stopped for some cutscene or for your rival to come bug you about how his brother is the greatest bounty hunter in the world or anything like that. Shouts Pokemon Sword. And it's just great like being able just to be lost in this game and this experience and just never have anything interrupting you. It's it's so nice. Yeah. Metroid games for the most part have never really been story centric. So I, I don't think that this game is really missing anything from not interrupting you to like show you Ridley arriving to his base or whatever, you know, like, right. Like you, you have your mission and you just kind of go and do the thing. I think our good friend Rybred would disagree as he knows all the story and lore to our beloved Metroid series. That's true. But there's a time and a place <laughs> for the lore and the super Nintendo entertainment system is neither the time <laughs> nor the place, but if we do get an HD remake for the Switch, then maybe we'll talk about cutscenes. Yeah. Because that would be pretty dope. That would be. Well, uh, I think I'm finished with uh, the gameplay. I am as well. Okay, well, I will go ahead and give my rating. I gave it a 93. Nice. I gave mine an 85. An 85, all right. Yeah. A little bit lower than I expected, but not too surprised. I thought you might say that, um... I feel like the the real joy of Super Metroid maybe even comes from some of the other categories. So uh, we'll see how we feel about visuals. Not just visuals specifically, but in general, the aesthetics. Aesthetics. Yeah, so moving on to everyone's favorite <laughs> section. Aesthetics. Aesthetics. Pete Boy, why don't you give us a uh, proper start-off to our visuals? I will do that thing. I feel a really similar way about these visuals as I do the visuals of Metroid Zero Mission, which is a good thing because I loved those visuals and I love these ones as well. Uh, so on the planet Zebus, you are uh, descending ever deeper into this planet. And as you're doing so, you're passing through all these crazy environments. There's some that are lush with plant life and then there's others that are just, you know, rocky inferno hellscapes. And there's like a, a crashed ship that has all this broken technology it's kind of haunted and the way that they capture the variety of these environments visually is just really excellent um everything contributes to the mysterious atmosphere of the places you're in and everything is so darn detailed as well like the the pixel art here is phenomenal i i can't stress that enough right yeah i definitely agree um i honestly i kind of agree with the, the comparison to super metroid and uh, zero mission yeah, I, I feel kind of similar about it too because it is kind of a similar styled game. Uh, I think it looks really good for a Super Nintendo game. Um, oh yeah, I love the dark and ominous setting that kind of the Metroid kind of brings. Um, all the the effects are really cool. The animations, like for a Super Nintendo game, it's really it's really stellar. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool monsters, a lot of cool sprites. Like you said, pixel art's amazing. Um, it's kind of interesting how closely it resembles the Game Boy Advance games in terms of style and art design. Like it just looks really similar. Yeah. And and I think that's a good thing. As I said, 
One thing that's interesting is that there's a few instances of pretty gory uh, visuals in this game. Not too many of them, but one example that stuck with me is before you fight Kraid, you find what looks like a dead soldier who has armor kind of like your armor, and their head is blown off. Yeah. And there's like some like gold-colored goop seeping from them. And I was like, ugh, it kind of gives me the, the heebies. And then... There's the the midway boss in the Norfair region called Crocomire, who's kind of a fun, big, fat, red crocodile thing. And then at some point during the battle, uh, spoiler alert, he falls into the acid and his skin and muscles just start peeling off of his skeleton. Oof. And it's like, holy shit, dude. Like, I don't think Nintendo would do something <laughs> quite like this nowadays. Yeah, that's a pretty brutal way to go. Uh, I remember the soldier going back through my playthrough um, that I just recently did. I was like, uh, I was, I was hope I was wishing I could interact with him a little more, but the only thing you could really do is kind of like get the bugs that are on him off, like eating his flesh. So, Oh yeah. That was the other weird part is that there were little bugs on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I don't really have much to say other than it's like good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that they did some cool little special effects in different sections as well. Uh, the one that I think is the most striking example is actually very early in the game when you're escaping from the Ceres space colony as it's about to self-destruct. Uh, they use mode 7 on the SNES to make the level start tilting. And it, it sways back and forth and the alarm lights are flashing and there's explosions everywhere. And it's just like generally a shit show. And it's really cool how they will they made use of those, uh, those extra visual effects and, and very concentrated doses to like heighten the moment and add a lot of drama, uh, which is a great contrast because a lot of the rest of the game feels very calm and serene by comparison. In fact, some parts of the game are like straight up beautiful and calming. Yeah. Mainly like the underwater area. But then kind of near the beginning and near the end of this game and the climactic moments, you get this crazy screen shaking. Everything's going like every. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's really cool how they do that. It's really artistic. Yeah. I definitely agree. I can't remember. I'm trying to think. I can't remember of. Any time where there was a lot of frame rate drops, I know there probably are some, but I, I really can't recall. There are a few, yeah, but nothing that I would consider like reducing the the overall game experience by any means. Yeah, for sure. Which is which is a good thing for this era because I felt like during this era of gaming, frame frame rate issues was a big problem in a lot of games. Yeah, and and not just like the dropping of frames, but actual lag. You know, the game running slower than normal, which right. um, in a fast-paced game could just totally ruin it. Um, luckily, Super Metroid is a little bit more of a slower and more methodical game, so it was never going to suffer too much from things like that. Um, but there's not too many problems like that anyway, so all works out. Right. Yeah, I'd love to like look at the, you know, since the consoles back then were so limited, I'd love to like deep dive into how they rendered a lot of their textures and graphics and things like that, because I'm, I'm sure they kept it to a confined space that Samus was in um, to keep it from loading too much at once. Yeah. But I, I'd like to know like the technical side of things of, of the development for that. That'd be really cool to know. Yeah. Um, the last comment that I have on visuals is uh, actually related to cutscenes, which we were just talking about how there aren't any, um, or at least not any during the game. But when you start up a new file, you do get a cutscene of Samus uh, interacting with the scientists from the Galactic Federation. They're talking about the Metroid. And not only are those illustrated in a cool way, 
But what I really love is how the text that explains Samus's inner thoughts appears over a close-up view of her face uh, through the visor. And so you can see like her one eye, which is like kind of the, it's what lets you know that she's female if you don't already know that. Cause that was, you know, a big surprise back in the day. Yeah. But I, I thought that was a really cool way to, uh, to sort of elevate that little cutscene experience. And, and it, it wasn't the craziest cutscene ever. It wasn't the most mind blowing, but they did really well with what they had. Yeah. I, I agree, man. <laughs> I agree, man. I agree, man. Well, um, I don't really have any more comments. So do you want to go ahead and give your score? I will do that. My score is a hot, fresh, delicious 100. Wahunda. 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 <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I give it a, a hot, fresh 94. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Not too far off. Nope. I think it looks very good. I, you know, maybe don't think it is one of the best looking games ever, but I think it's does a really good job of what it is, and especially for the Super Nintendo era. Um, overall, really good job. Uh, moving on to the audio, um, I guess I'll get started. Well, I actually, I'm going to start by saying that I'm probably going to lean on you a lot for this, because while I did notice a lot of the, the soundtracks and things like that, not a lot of it stood out to me other than sound effects. Sound effects, I thought, were done really well in this game. Um, but in terms of soundtrack, um, I don't really know what's iconic from this game. So I know there are some, but I, I can't tell you what they are. Yeah, I think this game definitely had a few strong contributions to the, the overall Metroid soundtrack, some of which have been uh, you know, remixed and included in games like uh, Samus Returns or like the Metroid Prime series. One example that has always stuck out with me, a track that I would call iconic, and I think others would agree too, is the music that plays when you're in kind of the red, watery section of Brinstar immediately after you exit the the green, vibrant jungle area. It's got like a very somber beat with kind of like a and like these pianos and things like that. Yeah. And the reason why I remember it so strongly, other than it just being a good song, is that throughout the track, there's these little like hits of choir voices that go, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. And I remember like I was playing this game with my brother back in the day and we'd kind of laugh about that because we just thought it was funny, <laughs> but in a good way. That song, I think, has been repeated in many Metroid games. And then the theme when you fight Ridley and a couple of the other bosses, I don't know if that theme was invented for this game or composed for this game, rather. But if it wasn't, then I think this was the game that certainly made it as iconic as it is because you cannot have Ridley without having you really can't. So th- those are my thoughts on the music. Um, I don't know if you have comments to piggyback on that, but uh, I- I'd also be interested to hear more about your opinion on the sound effects. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of cool sound effects. Um, like, there's a lot of cool bass things that they use, like when every- things would explode. I really liked that crunching sound. You're like, yeah, kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> or, um, I also liked the the sound that it made when you did the the sprint. Uh, what's that power called? Oh, like the the speed booster. The speed booster. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And then the beams sound really cool when you shoot them. Um, really, overall, the sound effects are what kind of made the the out the audio for me. <laughs> um, and especially when jumping, like doing the flip, 
um, and things like that. You couldn't grapple in this game, right? I can't remember. There is a grapple beam. Yeah, you get it kind of in the more towards the end, like when you're exploring the the depths of the water area. Sorry, by grapple I meant um, like hang on the ledge with your hands. Oh no, you cannot. Yeah, that's right. That's that's right. I couldn't remember. I didn't get that far, but it's like I don't know if this is a power I learn or. Um, but I remember in like Fusion and, and Metroid Zero Mission when you like flip, you go and then you grab onto a ledge, there'd be like that click. And I don't know why, but that was always so satisfying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a little things, but it, it yeah, kind of like that. It's, it's really satisfying to move around because of the sa- sound effects sometimes. Like you feel really cool playing and controlling Samus. Yeah. You know what I mean? So to me, I think that means that the, the audio was done really well. Uh, but in terms of the music, I don't have a lot of comments. I noticed, I just didn't notice it a whole lot in my second playthrough, and I couldn't remember a whole lot from my first playthrough. I noticed there were some tracks where I was like, okay, I'm digging this beat, but a lot of it made you feel like you were in like this deserted like space station. Um, so that, that was kind of cool. It gave it the, it definitely gave a good feel for the environment. And I think it does a really good job of that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's also something that's different about this game and uh, Metroid Zero Mission. Not not to have this be like the Super Metroid featuring Zero Mission episode, but you know, there's <laughs> natural comparisons to be made. And we do this all the time anyway. Right. Um, but in that game, pretty much every soundtrack was like, really vibrant and kind of epic and orchestrated. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this game, there's a few tracks like that mainly reserved for the bosses and such. But for the most part, the music is kind of brooding and foreboding and it makes you feel kind of anxious or suspenseful. And so for that reason, there's not too many strong melodies or beats that are coming at you at all times. Yeah. Which as we agree, it adds to the atmosphere, but it is interesting how they, they approach that differently between those two games. And I think that, they were just having fun with the SNES actually being able to give you sounds like that because, you know, no longer were you restricted to like the really eight bit beeps and boops, which are all very crunchy, uh, you know, cause the, the NES and the Game Boy were both limited to that kind of sound. And this console, they were really able to, to explore those quieter, you know, more somber moments. And I think they did a great job of that. I agree, man. I agree, man. Personally, myself, I do like some some soundtracks with some some pretty fresh, hot beats and melodies. But I do think it worked for the game that it was in. So overall, I don't think the soundtrack's bad, but I wouldn't call it one of my favorites, if that makes sense. Yeah, it might be nostalgia talking for me, but it definitely is one of my favorites. And I do have uh, both the original soundtrack and a really great. Uh, reorchestration album of it Ooh. on my iPod, which is a high honor. Yeah, actually, your boy, uh, the synthetic orchestra, Blake Robinson, who you know from uh, Banjo Kazooie, he uh, he reorchestrated the soundtrack for this game, and it sounds phenomenal. It's awesome. Yeah, anyone out there who's a fan of the soundtrack, if you're interested in uh, the Blake Robinson synthetic orchestra, you may be pleasantly pleasantly pleased in the ear region. I do have. Another comment about the sound effects that's kind of more of a technical comment. I found that when I compare the way that this game sounds to a game like, let's say, Kirby Superstar, which is kind of the opposite sort of game <laughs> in terms of the atmosphere and everything. Right. <laughs> that game, like, of course, the music is totally different because it's all happy and bouncy and fast paced and everything. 
but also just the quality of the sound effects and the instruments. They're very bright. Like they have a lot of high frequencies and a lot of crunchiness to them. And in this game, almost all the sounds that I can think of are kind of like they're more muffled. Like they're literally lacking some of that high frequency content. So everything kind of sounds a little more distant or a little less crunchy, you know, or like a little further away. And I, I never realized that until like a day ago. I was like, you know, this game sounds different from other Super Nintendo games. Like, I wonder why that is. And uh, I don't know if there was some sort of legitimate technical restriction to where they were only able to play sounds that like lacked high frequency information or something like that. It yeah. is a possibility, but there's also equal chance that it was just an artistic choice. Like, you know, this is a game that feels like this. And so the music and the sound effects aren't going to be, you know, blasting you in the face. They're going to be more subtle. Right. And, uh, I, I think that's really interesting. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Cause I, it would be interesting to hear this game with like crunchtastic explosions constantly and things like that. <laughs> right. it, would, it would feel different. And so I think it's just something that gives this game a lot of character. Yeah, that's a lot more in depth of an analysis than I could ever give. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Well, do you have any more comments? Uh, you you definitely gave a good breakdown of <laughs> the soundtrack or the sounds of the game. Thanks, man. Uh, no, those are all my comments. Cool. Well, why don't you give us your rating for it? I gave a hot, fresh 95. 95, nice. I give mine an 88. How dare you? Lower than a 90? (laughs) Lower than hey, I give the gameplay above a 90. That's true, you did. Um, yeah, no, like I said, like I've mentioned, soundtrack not my favorite, sound effects stellar. That's really all there is to it. Yeah. Moving on to the content, um, last but not least, um, I guess I'll start off by saying that um it's kind of short, if I can remember correctly. Uh, I w- didn't finish my second playthrough. I just kind of played through to get the gist of it again. Yeah. But um, it, it, if you're not sure where to go, like in the first playthrough, it could take you quite a bit longer. But um, your favorite website, which we've now deemed somewhat unreliable because of one instance, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it said that it takes a little less than 10 hours to beat on an average playthrough, uh, which is kind of short. But I almost don't believe that either because I think if I were to play through it again, it'd probably take me 10 to 15. I saw that too. I think the numbers I was seeing were like eight hours-ish. Yeah. Um, somewhere around there. And I, I do think that, I would suspect that that sample of respondents was mostly like people who had played the game before. Right. I mean, you, I, I think maybe me personally, I haven't, play the game from scratch in a long time, but it would probably take me maybe like six or seven hours to go through at a somewhat leisurely pace. I'm sure if I was rushing and like, I didn't have to look up anything, it'd be faster. And obviously speed runs of the game have got it down to a science. You know, having said all that, I do think it's a pretty respectable length of time, especially when you add in the factor of someone being totally new to the game. Right. Um, Yeah. I think it's a, it's not a huge game by today's standards, but I think for the standards of the time, it was a, a good game with a good amount of content. And even today, I think it's pretty good in that regard. Right. There's not a lot of extra content or a lot of extra things to do. You can go out of your way to like get energy tanks and more missiles and things like that. But you don't really need them if, like one, you're more skilled, or two, you, it's not your first time playing it through, whatever the case may be. Um, so they don't really add a whole lot of value. So there's not a lot of value in... 
um, going out of your way to 100%ing the game. So I think that kind of hurts it a little bit. But I do think that the game kind of, the content that it has is really good. Like the game that you are playing is a good amount of content to where it's like, it's not too long and it's not too short, the kind of game that it is. Um, imagine if this game was 30 hours long. The way the game is set up, it would kind of suck, right? You probably have to backtrack. I'd see no other way of them doing it back then other than backtracking a lot over and over and over again. Yeah. I think that's good that it didn't take that route. And um, I think it's just one playthrough. What I'm trying to say is one playthrough is like a perfect amount of time, if that makes sense. You feel good about it. um, You spent a good amount of time invested in it. And you kind of... You feel inspired to maybe play it again one day because, um, you know, it didn't take too long, but it was a good amount of time and it was fun. And there's a lot of cool different techniques and things to do and like different kinds of bosses to face. And you're like, oh, I'd like to face them again. Um, it has a lot of replayability. And I think that's what's really good about this game. I find it interesting you say that because my, my main comments about the content or the content, as I call it, is that. From what I can tell and from what I remember, there's not really too many different ways to experience the game outside of like speedrunning, really. Um, I, I would say that as a casual player, if you play the game and you, let's say you got like a moderate amount of items and you beat the game in like a moderate amount of time and you're having fun, I think the only real way to like, to add a different spin on your next playthrough would be, as I was saying earlier in the gameplay section, reducing the n- the number of power-ups you have equipped or something like that to like challenge yourself more. Because outside of sequence breaking, which is where you get an item before you're supposed to or like skip something, you know, th- that's an advanced technique or it's an advanced category of playing the game. Like you need to really know what you're doing to be able to sequence break most of the time. And I think as a casual player, you kind of have no choice but to go about the game the one way that it was intended to. There's no like, branching paths or anything like that really to speak of. Right. And I think that if the game did have something like that, like even, you know, another Metroidvania game that we've reviewed cave story, um, that game does have a really important branching path at one point that doesn't, it doesn't like change the entirety of the game, but it does like result in you having a different power up that lets you move in a very different, exciting way. And that in turn lets you like get the true ending of the game. I think that it'd be really cool to have a Metroid that does something like that or something where like where sequence breaking is like more encouraged like or more accessible to the average player because otherwise you are just kind of going down the one path. Yeah, I definitely think that would add to the replayability. But I don't know, I kind of found myself, you know, my first playthrough was only like what a couple years ago maybe, and it was still fun going back around the second time. Um I I was like, man, I, I kind of wish I had gotten back on this game a little bit sooner. Like, it, it was fun to play over again. And so for me, that's why I said that replayability is really high because the game is just kind of fun. And it's not, you know, think of like Banjo Kazooie. And I know I speedrun Banjo Kazooie, but Banjo is a lot of fun to go through again because, well, maybe for me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it doesn't take too long to beat. And it just feels like this one concise playthrough that's like a very good story that you want to revisit every now and then. That's kind of what Super Metroid feels like. And maybe that's because of the linearity. But I don't know. It It's kind of comforting to have that sense of you know where you're going and you can just 
quickly. Like as if I were to play it again, I could be like, oh yeah, I know where to go this time and play it over again. And the game's fun enough. The gameplay is good enough, like really good. And the fact that I would love playing it over again. I don't know. I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say, but it's like the game, the playthrough is so fun that I want to play it again. And it's comforting that when I play through it again, I'm so familiar with it that I can just quickly go through it rather than explore all over again. Yeah, I think that's valid. I mean, there's definitely, you know, that's like the same reason why people reread books, you know, because they enjoyed right. their experience the first time. And it's a good way to relax and unwind, I think, is to settle down with a game or a book that you're really familiar with or even, you know, somewhat familiar with. This might just be a symptom of us having totally different perspectives because, again, I grew up with this game and you didn't. Yeah. So maybe, like, for me, I'm like, oh, I've seen everything the game has to offer. You know, <laughs> maybe I'm just kind of jaded. Um, maybe. But, like, I, I would love to have some sort of, like, new experience that wouldn't require me to, um, you know, like, learn really tricky tricks or really advanced techniques that might take me a long time to master. Uh, on that note, however, uh, nowadays with modern hacking technology. As about there to say. Are, yeah, there are a lot of, there are a ton of ROM hacks for this game, uh, some of which are notoriously difficult. So once again, like that's not really what I'm here for. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But there, there are some others that are more reasonable in difficulty that I've played and enjoyed. Um, there's like randomizers, kind of similar to Zelda randomizers. There's some, there's some genius, some mad genius or multiple mad geniuses out there. Genius eye. Genii. <laughs> who figured out a way to connect this game to links of the past because of similarities in their architecture or something like that. And they made it to where when you go through a door and links of the past, you'll come out of a door and super Metroid <laughs> and vice versa. And I'm like, Holy shit, dude, Like, this is like the, the SNES fans fantasy. Right. Pretty much. Um, so in that sense, the game is definitely still alive and kicking. And of course the speedrunning community is as active as ever. Uh, this is one of the most renowned speedrunning video games of all time. There, there's a lot of ways to expand on your first experience of the game, but not all of it comes from the developers. In fact, most of it doesn't. Right. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess Metroidvania games, I find myself to be really replayable. And, and maybe just personal preference for me, but like Fusion and basically all the other Metroid games, I would love to play again, mainly because Samus is so cool. Like there's all these different kinds of weapons and skills that you can utilize. And it's just, it's so fun playing each of those games through. And, and, um, cave story is kind of the same way. Like, you know, I would play cave story again and there is more to do on another playthrough through cave story. So that is nice. But I guess maybe what I'm saying is like, Maybe I just like to replay these kinds of games because they're not necessarily long in nature, long enough to where you can invest some time into it, but short enough to where it doesn't like consume your whole week. Yeah. And the playthrough is fun in itself. So I guess that's what I, going back to the replayability thing. And for you, I know you need something more, something new, something different. But for some reason, like you said, like a, a book that you love to read, it, it it's kind of like that for me. And I can see it being like that for other people as well as any other game that people like. So maybe what I'm just saying is I like this game a lot <laughs> or this series really. I, I really like the 2D platforming Metroid games and uh, me too. this is no exception. Your comments about the game being a nice chunk of a uh, chunk of time that's not too long or too short. 
uh, we are going to be playing a certain other Metroidvania game uh, later on this season, and that one is supposed to be quite a bit longer than this one, so I'm interested to see how we'll feel about the uh, the runtime of that game. Oof, yeah. Uh, I think that covers the content base pretty well. What do you think? I do too. Uh, I'll go ahead and give my score. Uh, I gave content an 89. I gave it an 85. Pretty ah, close. Nice, yeah. I think we're pretty close on that one. So, now's the time for the number crunching. Uh, so please listen to this message from our sponsors. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. In case you forgot what you were listening to over the past four seconds, you've been listening to the Interstate Gamers reviewing Super Metroid. And boy, howdy, we've had a fun time reviewing this episode. So let's go ahead and summarize our thoughts for all you listeners out there. I'll start as usual. I gave gameplay an 85. I gave visuals a 100 and the audio a 95 together those two create an aesthetics score of 97.5 and finally i gave content an 85 so the average of uh, the relevant sections gives me an overall score personally of an 89.2 89.2 wow wow that's pretty close to what i'm gonna end up with spoilers um Gameplay was a 93, um, visuals was a 94, audio was an 88, which brought my aesthetics score to a 91. My content was an 89, which brought my overall score to a 91. Producing our IG score was a 90.1, which ranks it 15th among 36 games. Good, so that so that upper half, yeah, it, which is three above um, Metroid Zero Mission. So it's basically in the upper echelon of like all the other good games we've rated. Yeah, I'm 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 honestly kind of sad that I ended up giving this game lower than a ninety because I do love this game very much. Um, but you know, I I try not to <laughs> I try not to have a certain overall score in mind while I'm rating because I feel right. like uh, that's just how I approach it. Obviously. This game still has a very good rating. We say this all the time. Um, <laughs> but th- this game is, if you couldn't tell from our review of it, is it is a legitimate classic. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, this is a game that if you are interested at all in, like, retro games or just other classic gaming experiences, you owe it to yourself to play this game. Yeah, and kind of think of it this way. We've reviewed a lot of games to this point. And we've reviewed a lot of good games because, you know, when we started this show, we're like, oh, man, I want to review this game, this game, this game, this game. And we started to, you know, build this this repertoire of games. And now it's 15th among all those games. And it's like, it's the 15th best game of all time, basically, (laughs) is what we're trying to say. Yeah, as seen by Pete and Kev. You know, it's funny. I I never really thought of our show this way, but maybe, maybe this show really just is like, the greatest hits collection with a few exceptions to the rule. Right. So like if, if you're, if you're not really well versed in video games and you want to try to play some, you can just look at our episode list basically. And, uh, and like 99 out of a hundred times, you'll find a really good game. And then the other times you'll get chopper attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or ukulele. Or ukulele. Oof. Oof. Sorry. I hate to do it to you. Yeah. Um, but Yeah. Uh, I think as our list grows, it'll be more of a like, here's where they rank among things. And it still kind of is that way, but we've played so many good games and we had so many good games that we wanted to touch on 
that I think we've got this long list of really good games at the top. So we've got a lot of like 90 to 80 rankings. In fact, it's like well over 90% is 90 to 80. And then there's a <laughs> game that's like 72.7. And then there's another game that's a 65.8. So I'm kind of hoping at some point we get some, not necessarily some shitty games, but <laughs> it'd be nice to kind of add variety to it. Yeah. Yeah, IG fans out there, if you know of any uh, mediocre games you want us to play, maybe <laughs> send those suggestions our way and we'll consider it for the next season. Um, until then, though, I think we're about ready to wrap up this particular episode. And uh, it was a fun one. I enjoyed this one. To be real, they're all pretty good episodes. They're all fun. If you want to see more of the Interstate Gamers, the best place to do that would be our Twitter account, which is run by the lovely Kevin. It is at the IG underscore cast. And uh, Kevin, do you have any other type of social media things you'd like to tell the listeners about? Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram. I believe it's at the IG cast. I believe so as well. Yeah, um, where my lovely wife is making some awesome posts uh, on our behalf. Um, she's pretty good at it. Um, we have a Facebook, not too active there. Um, and we have a website that's pretty dope where you can find all of our rankings in a very flashy manner that I worked really hard on. Hell yeah. I'll probably be making some updates to it at some point this year, so be looking to make that better. Shoutouts to our patrons. Um, Mallory Sutton, Ryan Everett, and Simon Webb, the homies, locking it down for us each and every episode. We couldn't thank you enough. You guys are awesome. And if you want to support us, that is the best way to do so. It helps us, you know, thrive every, every, every season, really. Um, it keeps us afloat. Um, it helps us buy games we don't currently have so that we can review them for you guys and tell you what we think. So, um, it's really how we get things done on the show. It is indeed. But of course, you're definitely not obligated to support us financially. Definitely not. But it does make us love you even more. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, I guess that's about it. I'm sure I've probably forgot something and I should have wrote, written down a procedure for how to close out the show, but I don't. So, um, Kev, we've been doing this for literally more than one year, multiple <laughs> years. We are pro experts, so don't <laughs> even worry about it, dude. It was a good episode. Can't wait to see you uh, until the next episode in two weeks. And uh, until then, love you too, guys. Love you too.